Hello, friends. My name's Tammy Simon, and I'm the founder of Sounds True, and I want to welcome you to the Sounds True podcast, Insights at the Edge. I also want to take a moment to introduce you to Sounds True's new membership community and digital platform. It's called Sounds True One. Sounds True One features original, premium, transformational docu-series, community events, classes to start your day and relax in the evening, special weekly live shows, including a video version of Insights at the Edge with an after-show community question and answer session with featured guests. I hope you'll come join us, explore, come have fun with us, and connect with others. You can learn more at join.soundstrue.com. I also want to take a moment and introduce you to the Sounds True Foundation, our nonprofit that creates equitable access to transformational tools and teachings. You can learn more at soundstruefoundation.org. And in advance, thank you for your support. Hello, friends, and welcome. We are here with Dr. Shamini Jan, someone who I really respect and who is a good friend to Sounds True. Let me tell you a little bit about Shamini. Ivy League trained clinical psychologist, award-winning research scientist in psychoneuroimmunology and integrative medicine. Shamini is a mom. She's also a social entrepreneur who's the founder and CEO of CHI, C-H-I, the Consciousness and Healing Initiative, which is a nonprofit collaborative accelerator that connects scientists, health practitioners, educators, and artists to help lead humanity to heal ourselves and in the process, I believe, help heal each other. She's the author of the best-selling book. It's called Healing Ourselves, Biofield Science and the Future of Health. It's a book that's won several awards, including an OME Award and a Nautilus Book Award. Dr. Shamini Jan, welcome. Tammy, thank you. It's so great to see you again, and I'm so excited for our conversation. I always learn so much being with you. It's so mind, heart, soul expanding, so it's great to have this chance. All right, right here at the beginning to try to help our listeners connect to how you see healing, how you think of the body. I want to start with this idea of a metaphor we often hear for our body, which is that our body is like a car. It's like a car, right? And over time, the parts wear out. And and I know you offer a different metaphor for the body where you use the metaphor of a garden for our physical body. And what I'd love to know here at the outset is how our view of healing changes from your perspective when we think of our body as a garden. It's such a beautiful question, and I want to name that this view of the body of a garden is actually very ancient. It comes from ancient indigenous medicines, including Chinese medicine, Tibetan medicine, Ayurveda, and others. And it really means that our body, like everything around us, is part of an interconnected system. 
So rather than these parts and pieces that, like you say, just sort of wear out and we have to get into the mechanics and fix it or yank something out and replace a new part, that's one perspective of the body. But that's kind of a very limited view. And I think even modern medicine understands that that's a limited view now because we know so much more than we did before. For example, when we look at the body as a garden, we recognize how the root systems can inform each other, right? And we're learning so much about that in reality in terms of how trees connect and things like that. What's well, the same in our body? Now we know from home fields of study, like my home field, psychoneuroimmunology, right? That fancy term, what does it mean? Well, we've discovered just only 50 years ago or so that our brain and our immune system connect it's helped us understand even more deeply how our mind and our emotional state and our energy actually connect with the healing process throughout our bodies. So the interconnected garden perspective helps us understand that we're really part of an integrated system. And when we look at this from the indigenous wisdom and indigenous spirituality and medicine perspective, it goes even beyond what we perceive as the physical body but a recognition that our body is literally the reflection and is informed by our environment that includes the foods we eat, even the seasons, the quality of nature around us actually informs the flourishing in our garden. So it's a, it's a really deep and beautiful metaphor. And I believe that science is really bringing us to a deeper understanding using our fancy ways of looking at things like omics and systems biology. You know, we're beginning to look at this garden aspect of even the physical body more deeply so it's not just about changing one gear but it's really about looking at the whole system and where the system might be sort of misaligned if you will and how we could bring that back to harmony back to flourishing now shamani when you talk about how we're connected with the larger environment and how the environment could be impacting us as a garden what i think about is how difficult the times we're in are for so, so many people. And I wonder, here we are, we're having this conversation right now, right now when we see violence accelerating uh, throughout the United States and in different parts of the world, where there are so many pressures on people and they feel a sense of the toxicity, if you will, of the larger environment and how that could be impacting our health, our personal garden. And I'm wondering how you see that, this moment right now in time. Tammy, I honestly believe this is why the focus in this area of the biofield and what we've called subtle energy is so important. The ancient traditions described the strong linkages with what we call the vital energy force and the emotions. So this has been known again through indigenous wisdom for, for millennia, really. And we've approached it from modern day empirical science in terms of mind body connection and emotions and we've learned a lot it's very powerful so we've really looked at that more from the physical level and begun to explore it in the mind. And now that so many of us are doing more practice, whether it's in yoga meditation or energy healing. We're even more aware of the subtle influences on our being and the key to developing our subtle awareness through biofield practices is for us to really recognize the vibration of an emotion and the vibration of the inputs around us in more moment to moment awareness. So this is the beauty of subtle awareness and the beauty of connecting with the biofield is that 
it's just another avenue, if you will, another layer of intervention. It's another way of, for us to say, oh, wait, all of a sudden I notice I walked out of that room and I'm feeling really funky. Okay, let me just take stock of what's going on here. How am I feeling energetically? How am I feeling emotionally? Now, how can I work with my energy system to better clear that, to recognize all of this toxicity, for lack of a better term, that's that I feel is almost put upon me? Where am I at with that? And how might I clear it so that I could come back to my inner nature, my true knowing? So it's like as a humanity, as a humanity, we're really being um, benevolently challenged, I think, in a way to come back to ourselves in every moment and not get stuck in the constant conditioning that is thrust upon us by the powers that be, by most of the typical pop popular media, by a lot of the bad news that's really real. And, and I want to stress that. This is not a bypass. We're not asking people to bypass what's actually going on. We all need to play a role in creating flourishing for our planet. And that means addressing the violence, the inequities, you know, all of the things that we're seeing. But we have to have the energy to do that. And we can't have the energy to do it if we're constantly simply being fueled by anger or despair. It won't get us anywhere. So to tap into the subtle awareness and recognize what are these energetic residues that are really coming from anger, despair, depression? And how might I transmute that energy by first coming into recognition of it, embracing it, and then working with it for a more desired outcome? That I think is the challenge that we have for today and you know, for today's times as human beings. Now, you use this very beautiful and interesting phrase, benevolently challenged. We're being benevolently challenged. And uh, I have a question about that, which is how you have determined that it's a benevolent challenge. And tell me more what you mean by that. It really struck me because I think a lot of times people feel challenged and they don't have that other descriptive word, benevolently challenged. They're just like terribly challenged or horribly challenged, something like that. Because there is still this opportunity to come into grace and to connect with grace, to carry us through these difficult times. That's the benevolence aspect of it. And those of us who you know are deep in our practice, we sense that, we feel it. You know, I'm, I'm getting very spiritual here. I assume that's okay for our discussion. Bring it on. You know, it's... Um, we are at a time where spirit is here to help facilitate our learning and our growth and the suffering is part of this benevolent challenge for us to really deeply look at our suffering to recognize what's working and not working within us and around us what are the systems that we've had in play that have been driven by greed by lack by scarcity well, I think, you know, it's full force in our face at this point, isn't it? <laughs> with climate change, with economic crises, with, you know, growing violence, often caused by disparities in economics and racism and all of it, right? And yet there's this benevolence that I feel and that I think many of us feel that um, there's more to being human than this. We know that. And so the challenge is, are we going to come forth and really embrace our spiritual nature our interconnectedness to foster a new way of co-creating this world that we're in because we are 
the creators, the creatrix, as I like to say, creatrix being a more general neutral term, but really informed by the feminine, we're all consciously creating this. And we may say, wow, we're consciously creating this mess. Well, kind of, whether we've been fully conscious of it or not, right? So the benevolence is, the, is that challenge. Are you ready to step into your full power? Which means stepping into the full power of, of the spiritual nature of, of who you are to bring about a better world. Now, you talked about how we can become aware of emotions in the body and perhaps emotions that are in response or that we've caught, quote unquote, from other people. They're in response to situations. Tell me a little bit about a biofield healing approach when we're feeling difficult emotions and how you personally uh, work with that. Well, Tammy, as you know, I love to sing, have loved to sing since childhood. And that's really what brought me to the study of the biofield was recognizing that power of vibration. And I teach this a lot because I love sound making and I realize a lot of people feel very shut down with their voice, but our voice is one of the biggest tools that we have to sense and shift our biofield moment to moment. So I often work with my voice in just a playful way um, to express emotions, to connect with myself energetically and in groups to really foster a stronger collective biofield. And I find that practice really, really fun and um, very powerful in the moment. And this can be really simple. So when I talk with people, of course, there's this strong link between sound making and enhancing our creativity energetically. So this is as simple as singing in the car and singing in the kitchen, singing, you know, in the shower, all of those things count, um, but it's even as simple as toning. It's also as simple as sound making. Sometimes we've just been taught to shut down. And so we really, what we really want to do is just take a nice deep breath and sigh, or even take a breath and just let it go, you know, even a little growl like that. That literally helps us to discharge energy that we may have been holding on to, tension that we may be holding on to. But sound, of course, is even more than just catharsis. Often we start with catharsis, but then we can move in, a, in an even more expansive and beautiful direction with it. Now, I'm going to ask you if it's okay, uh, invite you if it's okay to, to lead us in a biofield based sound healing practice. But before we do, for the person who's listening and they're like, what is, what is the biofield? What are we talking about here? What is Shamini pointing to? These are biofield therapeutic interventions that you offer to people to help them learn more about healing themselves. But what does that mean, a, a biofield activation? Tammy, thank you for the question. So biofield is a fancy term that was coined by our fellow Western scientists here in the 1990s at a National Institutes of Health meeting to try to make sense of all of these things that we were noticing about the power of energy, including that part that is measurable, electromagnetic energy. There are a lot of devices that we know are already being used in the biofield sphere where we put known amounts of electromagnetic energy with things like pulsed electromagnetic field stimulation, transcranial magnetic stimulation, all of these things, that's part of the biofield. But there are these subtle aspects too that are used in all kinds of indigenous healing practices, including acupuncture, including yoga, including certain forms of meditation, and so many what have been called energy healing therapies, modern day practices like therapeutic touch, 
healing touch, Reiki, pranic healing, age-old practices like external qigong, laying on of hands. Those are all biofield therapies. And sound can also be a biofield therapy. It is a biofield therapy. So when we go and immerse ourselves in Tibetan gongs, um, to, you know, or Tibetan bowls, crystal bowls, a lot of people are doing these sort of sonic immersions. When we use the voice consciously, we're tapping into the biofield. So the biofield is always here. These are fields of energy and information that guide our health. And they're numerous. And we're just beginning to explore the science behind them. As you know, that's a huge focus of my book, Healing Ourselves, is really helping us understand all the science behind the biofield. But it's something that we carry with us all the time. And so just by consciously coming into contact with our biofield, we can up-level our healing and our well-being moment to moment. That's what's so cool about it. Okay, and one more question before we do the practice. So here you are as a young person, you love singing, you experience the power of vibrations and how they impact you and have this sense of, you know, I feel better, my consciousness is raised, I get that. And then you become a research scientist, you want to understand what's going on. How has your understanding and all of the studies you've both read about and conducted yourself, how has that impacted your view of what is going on when we do a toning practice like the one we're about to do? What's happening? How is it that we feel so much better afterwards? We're vibrating on the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual levels. And honestly, this has all been laid out in many different traditions. For example, in the East Asian tradition in Vedanta, for in particular, we talk about the four levels of sound, the four levels of sound. And the physical aspect is called vak. That's the audible sound, like the sound of my voice reaching your ears, tickling the cilia, creating neural impulses. That's the physical aspect. But then there's also madhyama, which is the subtle aspect. That's the subtle energy aspect that we feel. There's Pashanti, which is actually the experience of sound as light, which often we might experience when we chant mantras, for example. And then there's Para, which is the all. That is the actual experience of consciousness unbounded. So when we chant mantras, when we connect with our inner sound making, we have the opportunity to vibrate at all of these different layers of sound. And all of our biofield studies right now, honestly, we're just scratching the surface of this. We're seeing these profound effects in anxiety, in pain, in symptoms in cancer, you know, even down to the physiological level because of the way our scientific community is where it's sort of like the prove it model. It doesn't exist unless I see it down to the neural firing level or the cellular signal. We're really hyper-focused on the physical aspects of healing. And that's what we tend to study because it's easier to study that, right? It's something we can tangibly measure. But if you ask me, when I combine all of that with the practices and what I've noticed in my students and what I've noticed from the patients in these studies, there is something even more profound going on spiritually that we're just scratching the surface of. And the way that we typically try to capture that is through qualitative interviews where we might ask the patient, what did you notice? And then they might talk about their spiritual experiences. And that really is data. Um, but, you know, it's so we're seeing data from spiritual experiences all the way down to cell signaling in ways that can help prevent the spread of cancer with these biofield therapies. That's all laid out in the book, of course. 
Have you seen actual research studies on sound healing and physical healing results, physical results? Like sound healing has resulted in these types of physical improvements. So little has been done empirically with sound healing at this point. We conducted a feasibility study on a sound healing approach during COVID for people who were suffering from generalized anxiety disorder. Now, again, I'll be honest. We thought about adding a biomarker. If you look really deeply, though, there's not actually a really solid biomarker for generalized anxiety, believe it or not. We assume that there is. A generalized anxiety must have some kind of biomarker, C-reactive protein or some inflammatory cytokine or you know, heart rate variability or something. Actually, no, it's not consistent. So it's a challenge, I think, sometimes for us to almost come out of our view that the, the physical manifestation is the most important because we have a massive mental health crisis and it's a real crisis. Doesn't actually matter whether there's a physical component. Yes, prolonged anxiety will probably lead to physical issues down the line. Very, very possible. But I would say that's almost, it's almost too simplistic for us to think, oh, if we alter this biomarker, we'll get rid of anxiety. Anxiety is profoundly spiritual also in nature, right? So that's actually why I think these biofield approaches and there are studies including the one that we did um, that's published looking at the sound healing approach dramatic decreases in anxiety during the pandemic shutdown where everyone was isolated these people couldn't even get out of their homes they couldn't access care um, the results we saw were amazing and we're actually following that up right now with a randomized controlled trial looking at this more deeply comparing it to gold standards of care for anxiety it's um it's important that we recognize that this healing is happening, yes, on the physical level, but I think even more importantly, on the mental and emotional level, because everything that we understand from these ancient perspectives and from energy healers is that the disturbances begin to happen first on the energetic level, then begin to instantiate on the mental and emotional levels, and then the physical levels. So yes, the physical healing with energy healing is important, but I think there's a huge role for us to play both in our daily practice and in the research in looking at these practices as what we might call preventative care or wellness care, right? Can we actually work with our systems before we get physically sick? Wouldn't that make more sense to do? I think it would. You know, and I think that's, again, you know, part of that benevolent challenge. Do we have to wait till things are so bad and things are, 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 you know, and whether it's out in the world with climate change or whether it's in our bodies with, you know, a colitis diagnosis, for example, do we have to wait till things get to that level before we notice that there's a disharmony taking place? So it's a long, long-winded answer to, you know, I think it's important for us to explore these energy healing, biofield-based spiritual practices every day so that we don't have to wait for things to get to that level. All right, let's do this biofield vocal toning practice. Take us through it. Okay, so this is really fun. I'm going to invite everyone, if you're sitting, to just relax in your chair. You can be standing too, but allow your feet as much as possible to be on the ground. And actually, I'm short for those of you who know me, so I'm going to push my chair out a little bit so my feet are firmly on the ground as well for this practice. And we're just going to start by taking some nice deep breaths. So you don't have to be a bona fide, think of yourself as a bona fide singer for this. This is fully available to all of us. And let's just take a few nice, simple breaths. 
undirected in the body. Bringing our breath awareness all the way into the belly. And feeling the breath touch into the hips and the legs, the sit bones, the base of the spine, down to the feet, touching the ground, taking a nice breath and exhaling down the legs. Now we're gonna use a very simple seed mantra, which I suspect you all know called Om, the universal sound, and we begin by vibrating Om in the lower body. So you can use any tone that you like. It doesn't have to be deep, but we're really gonna focus resonating your tone in the lower body from the belly down to the legs. And so I'll demonstrate, you can do this along with me. Twice more. Oh. And once more. taking a nice breath into the heart area and placing our attention in the front and the back of the heart, the lungs. We're gonna vibrate OM now in a more connected fashion, really allowing for the expansion here in our heart center. Again, nothing really to do or even intend, but just to vibrate this beautiful Bij Mantra, this universal sound of OM in our hearts collectively. Oh. Twice more. yourself and others a nice big ohm hug with this last one here. Oh. And now we will vibrate ohm to the heavens. And so here we're going to focus the sound at the tip of the nose or if you prefer behind the eyes. And if you'd like to, you can do something fun here to really hear this higher vibration. You can take your hands and cup them behind your ears and sort of pull them in front of you. So you're pushing your ears forward. And if you say, 
hello, hello. For a moment, you'll notice you sound kind of like you're in an echo chamber, la la la. You can kind of hear that. So for fun, if you want, you can do this because we're gonna kind of make a spaceship sound. That is, we're gonna really nasal, make this sound very nasal. So you've heard likely of the variation of om is ong, right? Ong, and you're really making that nasal sound. So you're kind of making that sound. So we'll do this three times. Stay grounded in your body. Feel your feet. You don't want to get dizzy when you do this. So staying in your body is really important. This is why we do it last. So we'll do this three times. Again. And once more. Tapping into the awareness in and around your body. Noticing what you notice. When you're ready, if you've had your eyes closed, you can open them. What an accessible and powerful practice, Shamini. Thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Uh, I love to remind people that your voice is a healing instrument. And it's as simple as taking a few minutes a day to consciously connect with it, connect with your breath, and a sacred syllable can use any sacred syllable that resonates with you, you know, and your spiritual practice. Now, Shamini, I could imagine having this conversation with someone who's a sound healer, who's a yogi, who's a spiritual teacher, and they might have led us through the practice similar to the way you did. But here you are, and in addition, you're a research scientist with a vision of the future of medicine, the future of biofield science and medicine. And what I'm curious about is when you envision the medicine of the future, because you've several times in our conversation, you've referred to, you know, indigenous people always knew this and the old traditions and the Vedas, they knew this. And but how are we merging together? Do you think what's your vision of what we've learned from Western medicine that can be valuable and helpful with biofield science? How's it all coming together? I have like sci-fi images in my mind of being in like light sound, crystal healing chambers and stuff, but I'm curious what you see and envision. I think it's really amazing and I don't think we're very far off from that. So it is happening. And I think the key here is for us to all connect the dots in medicine. Many of us have connected these dots personally, right? We're whole people, we're a whole system. And the research is pointing to this, our social environment matters, our connection with others matters, our spiritual life matters, our energy matters, our emotions matter, our physical aspects of our being and our nutrition matters, right? All of this matters for our health. 
So we're really moving toward whole person health instead of having all of these splits and these divides. Well, allopathic should only focus on the body and we should only focus on drugs and surgery and that's all we should be doing. Well, why? Because the data doesn't really just support that. Nor does it mean that we only work on the spiritual levels and we ignore the physical body, right? We're a whole system <laughs> and all these things connect together. So imagine, and I don't think we're far off from this, some of the one, most wonderful clinics are actually doing this and even hospitals that have indigenous healers in the rooms working with people. That's often people who are from those cultures because they're, it's culturally resonant, right? But it is beginning to happen. So imagine that you walk into a doctor's office, that doctor could be an MD, a DO, a naturopath, whoever, and they do a full assessment with you, right? So yes, the physical symptoms, what's going on physically, doing the blood work, assessing nutrition, but we're also exploring your energetic terrain. And yes, we do have, we will have devices that will actually measure the dynamics of energy fluctuations in the body it's an extension of things that we already do for example with the ekg and eeg only in this case we typically will do an ekg or eeg when there's something wrong in the physical body okay then we're like oh okay there's something wrong you're having a trans you know transient ischemia attack or something a tia we better do an eeg or you've had a stroke and you know now we need to kind of check out your heart and your brain and all these things so it's always reactive right so now medicine has to be proactive you come in you get a whole person assessment what's going on in every dimension of your life your work your family your relationships, your nutrition, your diet, all of that is totally in hand for us to do now. And we ought to be doing it because there's evidence to suggest all of that matters. And yes, there will be technology that will help us determine, well, your biofield is indicating that, you know, you may have propensity if you were to go into a path of disharmony to maybe be more prone to having a heart attack versus cancer or something like that, right? So. So what can we do preventatively to prevent you from having that issue or a chronic pain issue, right? So it's about wellness. It's about allowing ourselves to come into full proactivity, both as people and in medicine, so that we don't have this chronic disease debacle. It's completely unnecessary. Strong statement. Oh, it is. It's, it's completely unnecessary. And, and if I were to be even more bold, I would say, the reason we have it is because we have not placed the importance of the emotions, the energy, and the spirit in our health and healing. If we were paying more attention to that from the get-go, we wouldn't have the ramifications that we have now, certainly with mental health debacles and also with chronic disease. I mean, as you know, most people with chronic pain even now are just given pain pills, which are addictive, which cause addiction, which cause more depression often. And there are other ways of treating that by getting to the root causes of them, right? To getting to root causes of pain. We know that the same brain regions that process social pain are the ones that process physical pain. We know that when we carry trauma in our bodies, physically and energetically, we're more prone to having chronic pain. So what if we actually release the traumatic residues in our field, as well as in our physical nervous system propensities, so that we had less propensity to have chronic pain 
if we had an insult. And this is honestly very personal for me, Tammy. I'll just share really briefly. I, you know, most of us don't like going to the dentist. Well, I was, I'm definitely one of those people. And, you know, I'm paying for it now, going to the dentist when I should have gone years ago. And so it's strong medicine for me sometimes. And I had this really wonderful insight as I was dealing with kind of a chronic inflammation from the dental procedures and an exploration of the emotional and even traumatic residues that could be perpetuating that inflammation in my body. And I did work with it spiritually, energetically, and sometimes physically. So, you know, these are the things that we can do. We have all of these tools available to us to resolve these disharmonies. Now, one thing I just want to uh, pick up on and ask you to clarify, you said the part of the brain that processes physical pain and social pain is the same part of the brain. What's social pain? What do you mean by that? Well, so I, I give a real clear example of this in my most recent TEDx talk for TEDx Berkeley, and I invite people to watch it because I have some really fun animations that speak to all of this in the specific brain regions. But what it means is when you actually even... First of all, when you are socially rejected yourself, and you know these are brain and immune studies that have been done by my colleagues at UCLA and other places, and wonderful research published in the best of journals, including Science, which is one of the top journals in the world for you know for scientific research. So this is very real. If we experience social rejection, the same parts of our brain light up as if we had put our hand into a freezing cold bucket of ice. So these are all very well, you know, elaborated studies with fMRI that are showing this. So they actually facilitate an experience of social rejection in the fMRI scanner. And they notice that the same brain regions will light up for a person when they're socially rejected as when they put their hand in a freezing cold bucket of ice. But it's even more than that. They extended these studies. And what they found is that if you are friends with someone who is experiencing social rejection, and you witness them being socially rejected, the same brain regions involved in social and physical pain will light up in you. You know, some people call this mirror neurons, for example, it's very real, it's substantiated, it's published. And in my TEDx talk, I talk about that because a lot of people don't know about this neuroscience of connection and how deep it is and how much we're processing the pain of our loved ones. Now, you'll like this, Tammy, I think this is interesting when we talk about the nature of how we experience self. What they found in those studies that was interesting was that if you watched a stranger experience this social rejection, you were less likely to have those pain regions light up in your brain. But if it was someone that was very dear to you, those pain regions would light up, right? Why? Because you have this empathic connection, perhaps a biofield connection with that person, because perhaps you view them as an extension of you. So this is, again, the beauty of the biofield work. These biofield healers, in essence, when they come into their practice to help foster healing with someone else, first of all, they say, I'm not the healer. I'm not doing the healing. I'm helping facilitate healing in this person. But what they are doing is they're attempting to let go of their ego and their even their desire to try to substantiate healing. Oh, I'm going to make it happen. And there's none of there's no room for that. They actually try to come into a very grounded and open neutral state to be a channel for the energy and spiritual assistance 
when they're doing healing with another person. So there is this empathic connection and there's at least one study that has actually shown connections between brains during a healing process using fMRI. It was a study that was done over 20 years ago. So there you have some indications of even physiological connection and there are more between a healer and healing. And then of course, this facilitation of a healing process that again, as, as you know, and I describe in my book and in many other places, including our Science of Healing course, real effects of this facilitation through the biofield for another person or even an animal that can affect our healing down to the physical level, even down to protein kinase levels that direct the, the spread of cancer in the body. How is this happening? It's amazing. It's almost unbelievable to a Western trained scientific mind. And yet it's very real. It's emerging science. There's a tremendous amount more that we need to do on the research level, but it, what it's pointing to is the power of this energetic and spiritual connection for healing and the recognition that we're really not separate that you know i'm sitting here you're sitting across the country you know in a very different place we're having this conversation we can engage in practice together we can actually feel a biofield resonance across the miles that is very real and can potentially foster healing for you and for me how powerful and how needed for us to come to that realization. Shamani, what would you suggest to someone who's listening to this and says, I want to extend my biofield presence to someone in need, someone that I know, someone who's suffering. I'd like to be a, a healing force and have a healing impact in someone else's life. How do I do that? Very simple. First, Center yourself with a practice. Even this practice that we just did, this centering and toning practice with Om is a great practice. Or simply settling yourself and resting in your, first of all, in your awareness. That's first and foremost. If we're caught up in um, tension, anxiety, that blocks the energy flow. So the first thing we have to do is literally get out of our way. And that's to just, first of all, come into presence and feel your heart as well as your feet on the ground, right? So that you can be a conduit for this energy. And then you simply can ask for help. You can ask for guidance. You don't have to be a profound energy healer. You don't even have to try to get into their body or focus too much initially, right? You just allow yourself to bring this person into your heart and mind once you feel like you're in a centered place. You can ask again for spiritual guidance to be with you to help facilitate a healing for someone if that's your practice and open your heart to that person, bring them into your awareness, and then let go, simply let go and allow whatever happens to happen and observe it. You may notice different things, you may hear things, you may get information, or you may just be in a place of quietude, right? So just simply allowing that to happen so that you connect with that person through your heart is all you really have to do and let go. You're not the healer. You were just an agent. You were just facilitating a healing process for that person. It's not your responsibility. It is their journey. And you're here to just bring light to them, right? So that they can come into a deeper recognition of their own healing ability. And then they get to work with that energy the way they wish to. 
In your book, Healing Ourselves, Shamini, you talk about one of the keys to healing ourselves being this key of surrender. And I'm curious in your own life, if you could share with us a time when you had to surrender, you knew you had to, it was hard, it was a benevolent challenge, and what you went through, how you did it, and how it changed you. Well, it's really almost these days an everyday process, <laughs> but sometimes it's more dramatic than others. And I think uh, the one that comes to mind um, was actually a massive physical move that we made from California to South Carolina. And it happened to be just before COVID. Of course, we didn't know COVID was happening, all of these things. And the, I'll try to be brief in the story. I can't remember if I shared it in my book. I don't think I shared all of the story, but essentially, at the time I, you know, was just as I typically am full of activity, full of activity, running the nonprofit, having young children, going out, speaking, you know, monthly, if not more, you know, very active, throwing my energy all over the place. And one of the ways that I tried to sort of get out of my head was by singing. And this is a long story, but at the time I had found myself kind of fronting a heavy metal tribute band, um, which was very successful in San Diego. And I really enjoyed it. But it, you know, it takes a lot of energy to sing that. This was an Iron Maiden tribute band of all things. And so it's, it's really heavy singing. It takes a lot of energy. And I loved it, you know, it was just amazing. I loved it, it was just beautiful. But it was a lot of energy and, 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 and everything else that I was doing was a lot of energy too. So a lot of energy out and not a lot of energy directed inward. And interestingly, a lot of my friends and family members started getting a message from spirit that I needed to quit the band. And I really wasn't listening. I was kind of like, I don't want to quit the band. I love this. This is my lifeblood. You know, I, I just enjoy it. It runs my energy. I just, I love all of it. You know, I love the music. I love the audience. I love everyone singing together. You know, um, I was really addicted to it. Honestly, I was addicted to performing. I was addicted to the feeling of running that much energy through my body. And I wasn't paying attention to the disharmonies happening. I noticed I was getting more tired and I noticed there was something funky going on on the side of my throat. Well, long story short, I saw an energy healer actually just through exploration and um, just curious about her because I was visiting with a colleague and he said, she's renowned, you know, you should really have a session with her. Well, I didn't think there was anything really wrong with me. I noticed I was kind of tired or whatever. Well, when she was doing work on me, this came up and she said, listen, energetically, it feels like you have um, something really growing here on the side of your throat. And if I don't treat it, it could be a cancer. And I said, wow, that's crazy. And then I had some kind of idea to ask her out of the blue. I said, could this be related to the heavy metal singing I'm doing? And she said, she laughed first, because I don't seem like a heavy metal singer, obviously in my typical day to day. And then she paused and she said, yes, actually, this is really forceful singing you're doing and it's not really your voice, but more importantly, you're forcing so much energy through your system that it's not healthy for you and you need to let it go. And I still wasn't listening. And I said, well, can I just, okay, I have a couple of gigs coming up. Can I cancel the next one, but can I do one in a month? And she said, you're not listening. If you don't stop this, you're going to develop cancer. Now I hadn't done the blood work and all that. So I have no way of, you know, verifying what she said, but I could feel it in my body. After she did that session on me, I had such a strong and profound connection with spirit. And this lasted for months and months. And interestingly, while I was hemming and hawing about not wanting to release this heavy metal project, my husband got an unsolicited job offer out of the blue 
for his dream job, which was the director of mindfulness and social emotional learning for the largest Title I school in South Carolina. He was called into service. And we sat with the, with the offer and everyone said, well, you're going to leave San Diego, you're going to leave everything, you know, your faculty position, all of this. Are you sure? And there was no question, Tammy, because for me, surrender was literally feeling the presence of spirit. And it was so clear that spirit said, you guys are meant to do this. You're meant to make this move. And I don't think it was just because I needed to quit the heavy metal band, but that is what happened, right? I had to go to them and say, I'm moving, guys. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. But more importantly, things can be orchestrated for us in ways that we can't even imagine, right? There is a often a larger plan for us, whether you want to call it spirit, fate, or you don't believe in any of that, it doesn't matter. Our limited conditioned mind can only see so far. And sometimes we can get really stuck in our way of being, even when we think everything's great. But when we feel that call to something greater, and sometimes it's difficult, there's a letting go that has to happen and there is a trust. And ultimately, I had to say, I fully trust in this. I fully surrender to this process. And I, I'm here to ask you for your support and your guidance because I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm a little scared, I'm nervous. I don't know how it's gonna go. When we engage in that surrender process and we really feel the call, I encourage all of us to just really deepen that connection with spirit so that it doesn't feel so anxiety provoking because sometimes surrender feels like anxiety, right? It's, it's hard for us to let go. It's hard for us to release and not know what comes ahead. And yet it is the biggest gift that we could give ourselves. So, so that's been my experience. And I think because of experiences like that, it's easy for, easier for me to see now when I'm in a place of stuckness, of attachment, of anxiety, and say, what am I, what am I attached to here? What am I afraid of? Can I take a deep breath and can I trust? Can I trust this person? Can I trust this process? Can I trust my guidance? So it can really be this everyday process and it is a huge healing key for us, whether it's physical healing we're looking for or just a shift in a situation. Shamini, one of the things I'm struck by in our conversation is the multidimensionality of you. And I think that more and more creative, people in the flow deeply connected with both their sense of fidelity to their soul and the analytical powers of their left brain all coming into a package of service with this artistic expression and imagination all combined i'm seeing it more and more in people and it's so uh, it blows open all of the boxes that I think historically the status quo has asked us to put somebody in like, oh, this is the, you know, Dr. Dr. Jan box, and this is the heavy metal performer. And I'm just, I'm curious how you see that from the inside, how you experience it from the inside. Thank you. It's such a beautiful question. And I agree. I think all of us are coming to, uh, to question why we created boxes in the first place. They don't exist. We created them. I think because of my upbringing, growing up as an Indian American, you know, first generation in the South, I always sort of knew that I was straddling a lot of different worlds and I was very comfortable with that. So I almost had no choice but to be myself, right? And to embrace being myself. If I wanted to 
enjoy being in the world. And I think this is our calling for all of us is we're all of it. And, and to align with the creative flow that directs and guides our life to provide the expression of this beautiful vehicle who you are, right? You, Tammy, Simon, are this beautiful creator out in the universe. And every single person listening is a beautiful creative agent. Your expression of divine consciousness in all of these different ways, and you get to choose how you express that in a way that fulfills you and for everyone around you. And there is no box. I can't tell you how many scientists I know that are closet musicians or how many musicians I know that have had these profound spiritual experiences and ask really deep scientific questions. We're all of it, right? We just have to give our permission to be everything that we want. I've been speaking with Dr. Shamini Jan. She's the author of the book, Healing Ourselves, Biofield Science, and the future of health. She's also the founder and CEO of the Consciousness and Healing Initiative. As we come to a close, Shamini, tell us a little bit more about Chi, the Consciousness and Healing Initiative, what you're up to now, and how people can bring their energy and support to the Consciousness and Healing Initiative. Tammy, thank you so much. Well, because of my work as a scientist initially, um, we began the Consciousness and Healing Initiative years ago at first to support the scientists who were doing this incredible research, who really were underfunded, under-resourced, and we began to share what they knew with the larger community. We soon began to realize that we were bringing in a beautiful community of healing practitioners who said, thank you. Thank you for sharing this evidence because now I can stand in my power even more authentically about what I do and share the evidence behind it. And we have lots of patients and people who are saying, I'm really interested in exploring this for myself and exploring what these healing practices are that can better my life. So Chi is this beautiful social profit 501c3 community where we foster both research and real world embodied education in the biofield, sharing the best of evidence, the best of practice for humanity's flourishing, bringing together the facets of wisdom so that we can really expand this for all through science and education. So we're doing a number of things. One is, as I mentioned, we have a randomized controlled trial that we're forwarding to explore the impact of these biofield and integrative practices for anxiety in those who often don't get treatment for anxiety, including all of our brothers and sisters in the BIPOC community and the LGBTQ SIA2 plus communities. We know that actually they're under-resourced in terms of access to many of these integrative care um, approaches um, for anxiety and mental health. And they want those and um, they don't necessarily want um, some of the more supposed tried and true practices that are out there because they were never studied on those populations, quite frankly. So we're doing research like that. We're bringing this out more broadly to the community. We're actually in in the midst of um, gathering support and energy around a documentary and a learning center that we're doing with um, with healing. And we're super excited for that. Tons of momentum building invite anyone who's interested in that to please contact me. I'd love to share more with you about what we're doing there. And we align our community through councils, scientific advisory councils, healing practitioner councils, and our EDIDI council to really make sure that we're anchoring 
all of these practices in indigenous wisdom traditions. All of these councils meet freely on their own accord, and it just takes a modicum of support to support them on an infrastructural level so that they can get together to continue to make change in healing for healthcare, for community care, and for self-care. And there are ways to get involved. There are many different free events that we have. You can simply go to chi or chi.is, chi.is, to learn more, connect and learn more. You'll get just a couple of emails a month, really, on the latest science, a healing practice, and some cool events that go on in the community. So I invite everyone to connect in with the community. It's totally free. Dr. Shamini Jan, love you, love your biofield, love the chi initiative. It's always great to be with you. You lift me up. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tammy. It's been an honor. I love being with you as well. Thank you so much. And if you'd like to watch Insights at the Edge on video and participate in after the show Q&A conversations with featured presenters and have the chance to ask your questions, come join us on Sounds True One, a new membership community that features premium shows live classes, and community events. Let's learn and grow together. Come join us at join.soundstrue.com. Sounds true. Waking up the world.